Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. My guest today is Chase Tuning. He is a certified health coach and he hosts a, hosts a podcast himself called Ever Forward Radio. If you have all of, ever followed his content online and on social media, he talks a lot about this pivotal moment that he had when he left his job and went on to this unique entrepreneurial journey that he's on. And so um, as you kind of give an introduction here, I'm most curious to start out at, because I'm kind of at a similar place in my life, what the whole journey from leaving your job to starting your whole entrepreneurial journey, starting your business has looked like, and some of the kind of paradigms you've had to shatter and just like what that whole journey has looked like for you. Oh man. Um, what has it looked like? It has looked like a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, at many times it has looked like uh, a lot of, a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of, a lot of scrambling. Um, and that's, that's really, I think kind of every, every entrepreneur I've talked to, or at least every person who has, you know, kind of left the safety nest of like a nine to five or a sure thing, it, that all kind of comes with the territory of all the excitement and the drive and the passion, um, because it's all new it's, it's all new. So many things you're taking on for the first time. Uh, others you're taking on just more, more you it's, you know, yourself, your profession, your accolade, whatever, but just at like a higher level. Um, so it's like very familiar, but very unfamiliar. It's very wild, wild west, but also like home, if that makes any sense. It's always this kind of hot and cold. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but one thing that I think was kind of saving grace for me. Um, whereas a lot of people leave their job and go out and do their own thing. I was doing what I was doing now already. Um, more so back then, um, I was a clinical health coach and I was working in an office, multiple offices, actually every day. Uh, I was working with patients, working with, we call them patients, you know, working with clients, mm-hmm. um, cause it was in a medical model. And uh, I was doing that every day. And then I was also managing a team of like uh, seven to nine other health coaches and offices up and down the East Coast. Um, But then when I left, I was just kind of like doing that, but just for me. Uh, I went from being a health coach to somebody else, working for somebody else's organization to being a health coach for my own organization. Uh, So I didn't really have to like step out and learn like a hard, a hard new skill or, um, learn all the new things from scratch. I, I just did what I knew how to do, uh, mm-hmm. what I was trained to do, uh, but just to establish my own business. Um, so I, I think that really, that helped save a lot of the stress for sure. Um, because like I said, I just, one day I went from just seeing patients, you know, in an office where somebody else paid me to, seeing clients, uh, via zoom or, you know, in person, you know, in my apartment gym back in DC, uh, for me. Um, so it, it kind of helped gain a lot of that initial traction. Mm -hmm. What was more salient for you as far as wanting to have your business or was it maybe some combination of the two 
Because when I think about it, it seems like there's usually two reasons. If you talk about someone who's not just wanting to do something totally different from what they're doing, you know, working for someone else or working for a company, was it more along the lines of just you wanted to have complete ownership over what was going on, not have to look to higher ups for decisions? Or did you just want to have more autonomy in like, I don't want to have to, you know, have to preach what they think about health and fitness or their specific, you know, models of how to eat and how to train or whatever it is. You want to just do what, what you knew to be true, I guess. Yeah. Good question. And I'll say kind of a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, so to the first part, it was, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to kind of like do my own thing. Um, and I wanted a little bit of the autonomy. It's because I was already kind of double dipping. I was, you know, health coach Chase and podcaster Chase. I, I had launched my show the year before and it was just a fun side project. It was a way for me to continuously learn from other health, fitness, wellness, nutrition experts. Um, but then I, yeah, I also didn't want, so I wanted to go deeper there. I wanted to explore that. And of course, with that, your keyword, you said autonomy. Um, but I also had a lot of, a lot of friction uh, with their version of health, fitness, of like how, what we were doing and how we were defining success for people's wellness, really. Um, I'll never forget, I was getting some, some strong pushback, uh, some we'll say from our, my organization's chief medical officer. And, um, you know, I was in a position to where I had, I had a fair amount of autonomy, you know, I was, uh, you know, overseeing this entire department. And so, you know, I was at a, a high, high managerial level and um, it, it still didn't work uh, enough. You know, even though I was the one who was quote in charge of the wellness department in charge of like what we were doing, the programs we're running. I mean, I still had to report to, to somebody, but um, it became very clear that the medical side of the house had a very, very different definition of wellness of fitness of nutrition of of how fast we were getting people results what were the results and it really just came down to to like we need to turn this into like a weight loss machine mm -hmm. we need x amount of weight loss in x amount of days x amount of weeks and that is the only way we are going to be defining success and that just did not sit well with me um i told them uh, you know look we we can do this like it literally at the end of the day if our of course the patients are adherent it just comes down to like a math game. It's a little bit of math, a little bit of science, you know, Hey, what are you doing? What are you eating? Uh, you know, and put you on this kind of protocol, but that's not the change that I personally was after. That's not the, the long lasting lifestyle change that me or my team was after, you know, weight loss. Absolutely. We can get you there, but we want that to be a, we wanted that to be a byproduct of understanding the power people have in their lives to make just, a better decision, a healthier decision to figure out why they want to lose weight, to figure out why they want to eat better, to figure out why their relationships and their sleep health are so much more important to them than maybe that they have realized really to get to the root cause of behavior change so that we're not just always putting band-aids on things. Yeah. Um, so I, I really kind of came up against a wall there. You know, it was just, Hey, <laughs> the higher ups of this organization, that's not how we define, you know, success for this program. Uh, and I, could no longer stay on board with that. And so that's what I, big reason why I left is because yeah. I, I want to help create that for other people, but also there are other things that are interesting me, you know, like, like, you know, exploring social media, what that had to offer, you know, four years ago, um, going deeper with the podcast, going from one episode a week to two episodes a week, uh, learning how to turn that into a business. And um, it just, uh, I was reaching a threshold uh, of all those things for sure. It's like, uh, what's the, what's the old, 
adage, like teaching a man a fish versus, you know, just giving him fish. Exactly. What's, how, how are you going to help people to sustain these results in the long term? Because something that I always point out is that almost everyone, you know, I think that we could all, you know, think of every person that's whether just a family or family member or friend, like people can lose weight. But the problem is that 95% of people aren't able to keep weight off. And that comes mm -hmm. down to behaviors and beliefs and so much more than just the calories and the exercise aspect. It comes down to motivations. 100%. And it's just hard because I think I, I just wrote down this quote here. I can't remember necessarily who it's attributed to, but just something along the lines of like, people don't think well in large groups, you know, because I think that you would probably, you, you probably understand where these people are coming from, you know, in a bureaucracy you kind of need some sort of metric. And I'm sure that course, the thing yeah. that I've kind of gleaned is like, you knew that you could only really pursue what was most meaningful to you and most important on your own, because it's just not always quantifiable in an X equals Y sort of way. Exactly. And, and you know, keyword you said there at the end, quantifiable really became, really became something that I, I was challenging myself. Like I, I mean, I still today, I wear Apple watch, I wear a whoop. I'm always very curious and I, I love the quantify itself. I love the data that we can get on ourselves to help navigate our, our life, our choices. Um, it's not my end all be all, but it helps kind of, like I said, navigate. Um, I realized that the qualitative part of life and the qualitative part of health and fitness was I'm going to say it is drastically more important, especially when you're looking at defining success through adherence, um, because the, the numbers on paper can only confuse some people. It may be very beneficial for others, but when you get down to it, you take the coach out of the situation. What have I been doing with you and for you to instill a sense of purpose, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of why, a sense of knowing what the hell you're doing. And if you remove the coach from the equation and that person understands more of that, then in my experience of doing this for many years, um, they're going to be way more successful. They're going to have much more long-term adherence because they're going to have the intrinsic tools to, to fall back on. Mm -hmm. It's going to be way less of, Oh crap. Did, did Chase say, uh, you know, 40% fat and 30% yeah. carbs or, you know, low intensity, steady state or high intensity. Like, no, it's going to be, all right. Um, I really am aware of how I slept last night. Uh, I'm in a great place with my partner. Um, I love my job. Like my, I got a small, maybe low back pain that's nagging me, but I know I'm supposed to train today. Um, all these other metrics and areas of my life are, you know, good to go. I just have to be mindful of my back. So I was going to do a pull workout, you know, maybe instead I'm going to just do some yoga mobility. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of stuff. You know, we're still getting them in the gym. We're still getting them moving. We're still getting them to think about and make better decisions, which at the end is going to move the needle uh, for their own definition of success. But that, that's really what I was after. And mm -hmm. um, for, for many organizations, yeah, th 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 they're not after the qualitative, you know, they need, and I get it at this point, you know, I, I get it. Um, you need to be able to promote and to market. You need to be able to share out with the public and your shareholders and the board. Hey, X amount of people went through this program, X amount of weight loss, X amount of this, X amount of that. Um, that looks good on paper and that looks good on business, but that is not people and that is not adherence and that is not behavior change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a, like a really cool moment with a client last week where he, he texted me and he was like, you know, I was over at a friend's house and they were all eating like leftover cheesecake from Thanksgiving. And he's like, I chose not to have it because it didn't sound good. He's like, if, if it would have sounded good, I might have let myself enjoy it. 
but, but and, and then we kind of had this conversation of like, this is the benefit of a coach is like weighing decisions and using your intuition. And because people aren't an equation, like another, another good example, I think that came to mind is like, how do you measure the benefit of one hour in the gym versus one hour you could spend with your family? They're both important yeah. in different ways, but we're just, it's just not an X equals Y equation. It just comes down to all these different things. And that's again, kind of like I said, before you're we on air, the the reason I call my podcast Beyond Fit is because I, I just, I don't see any value in being physically healthy if there's other areas of your life that are falling apart, whether you're emotionally unhealthy, mentally unha unhealthy, unhealthy in your relationships, it all has to kind of be in balance. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. Um, and, and actually two things come to mind when you're talking about that. One, I will never, there are many patients, many clients of mine in that role that I will never forget. Um, and one of them, we had this moment, she'd been coming to me uh, for like two years at this point. And she was a very, very high achieving executive professional had just been crushing it in life. Um, and was in a very, very good place in her life now with, um, uh, her, her personal relationships, her tr travel, her like just enjoyment and vitality for life. She was playing tennis all the time again, which she hadn't been able to do. Her stress was diminished. Her sleep was improving. And then like part of the protocol for this organization, uh, you know, we would then put them on a DIA machine, we would measure body fat, muscle mass, water, water weight, um, really kind of the breakdown the ratio right. of, of the all of you, <laughs> your, your, your numbers. And she had gained weight technically, even though she had actually increased a little bit in her muscle mass, but she saw that number of weight gain, and she completely broke down. And she was like, well, what's the point? I, you know, I've been playing more often. I've been doing all of this. Like I, I've been doing all these things that I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Again, looking to me, the coach for confirmation, validation, and even like pointing the finger a little bit. It's like, Hey, you said to do these things, or, you know, I came up with this plan together. We did all this. And then it's just the blame game. And, um, that moment on, I realized, all right, only until you come back in here one time next month, next year, we will ever step on that scale again if you want to, mm -hmm. because everything leading up to that point was a win. Everything leading up to that was were all positive changes in your life that I didn't tell you to do, but we came up together and we molded into a plan. Uh, mm -hmm. So I mean that that really hit the nail on the head for me, man. And then to your other point of what good is your physical fitness if everything else is really sacrificing. Uh, and that that's the story of my life. Um, I mean, years ago, I was at the pinnacle of my body composition. I was the leanest I'd ever been. I was the strongest I'd ever been. I, you know, physically looked my best and was performing my best, but everything else I was neglecting. I was neglecting my mental health, my emotional health. I was neglecting, you know, past traumas. I was neglecting all the internal work. And uh, that that manifested in a lot of ugly ways. And it didn't matter how much I could deadlift. It didn't matter how many days in a row I never went over my macros, you know, whatever I was on, whatever I was doing at the time in terms of my fitness and nutrition, none of that mattered. The body doesn't care. You know, it's like, Hey, we have a lot more going on here than how many abs you can get to pop out mm -hmm. through your stomach or, or, you know, a PR in the gym. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And another interesting anecdote I've heard before is like, I mean, when you come, when it comes down to it, I think unless you're chasing, uh, a quantifiable goal, like, you know, for a sport or something, or maybe like a physique goal for bodybuilding or whatever it is, unless you're doing that, I think that pretty much everyone would agree, you're more or less focused on health span and longevity. That's, you know, that's mm -hmm. a big reason why we exercise and eat well. And it's funny, because, you know, you look at other countries, like in Europe, like I know, specifically, 
that um, my brother spent some time in Italy and it's interesting because there they have usually higher rates of smoking and they have less gyms and they don't really have like the whole health food supplement culture, but look how much healthier and longer people live over there. And I think a big part has to do with they're so familial and communal. And I think people underestimate like that's as much as, you know, a, a part of good health as, as walking and running and deadlifting and, you know, whatever else, whatever other exercise you're doing. Yeah. So true, man. I mean, and I mean, some very, very, um, sad and scary statistics are coming out of this year 2020 mm-hmm. uh, of mental health just skyrocketing of domestic abuse skyrocketing of suicide skyrocketing of of you know people who have had these things under control and manageable for many many years through medication through professional help through keyword like you're talking about here community um we have been forced into our own caves you know because of shutdowns and you know a lot of just different things going on in the world, daily living for most people has dramatically changed. And the biggest thing is that we are removing that connection component. We are we are removing that that familial aspect, that that tribe. And when you look at, are you familiar with the term blue zones? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, all the centenarians around the world, particularly in Italy. Um, they, they have like one of the highest like ongoing blue zones, uh, people that are just living well beyond past 100. And them in particular, I believe that it's in, um, I believe it's in Tuscany, but I know it's in Italy. Um, them in particular, they uh, attribute the most. And like the one thing that you can really look at the data and see the most is that tribe, is that connection. I mean, yeah, they're getting together and you know, slamming, you know, a bottle of, of wine, but you know, they're yeah. walking to and from there, they're outdoors getting fresh air and sunlight. They have happiness and fulfillment and they have meaning through connection. Yeah. Um, and, and this year alone, 2020, I think that has been a variable that unbeknownst to a lot of people, or at least not immediately, not consciously has been removed. And we are now facing the ugly side of that, the ugly truth of how important and how necessary, literally life or death necessary it is to have community, to have connection in order to feed our overall purpose and meaning for life, to feed our want to, to, to go to the gym or want to move or want to do all of these things. There is so much going on externally that is responsible for internal health. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, we're seeing kind of the ugly side of that now, like I said. Yeah. When you say those blue zones, the thing that comes to mind for me is in my last newsletter, I wrote about like the correlation causation fallacy. And it seems like whenever people, you know, talk about blue zones, like, oh, what do they eat there? Oh, this, this bean or this nut or whatever must be, you know, the yeah. key to longevity. It's like, no, 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 no. Look at what they're doing. Not what, uh-huh. the, what food that is, that is common there. It could be, it could be any type of food. It's just, it's the lifestyle. It's what they're doing on a regular basis on a day in day out basis. Yeah. Most of those blue zones actually uh, are, most are very high carb in general mm-hmm. diets, uh, very high alcohol consumption. Uh, most, a lot of them smoke. Uh, I was watching this documentary over lockdown, the show called down to earth with, uh, Zach, Zach Efron yeah. and Darren Olean. And, um, actually I, I had Darren on the show. I recently interviewed him and was talking to him a little bit about this and he's a superfood genius you know that's his world but i was like what is it you know did you get confirmation as you were traveling all over the world and seeing these people was it like the one superfood that was the key to health and longevity and you know he he agreed with me it was i mean that plays a role but he was like it's just 
people are so much happier. I mean, they have mm-hmm. tribe and they have meaning. Um, it was pretty funny. Zach uh, on the show, he was like, I've been living a lie. I, I haven't had a carb in four years, <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, of course he, it's part of his job and he has to look that, that kind of way, but he was like, everything has been a lie. You know, I can live to 110 and eat pasta every day. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I remember, uh, on a couple podcasts or like it kind of got mentioned on social media, people were like, is protein again, like the correlation causation fallacy. They were like, well, maybe it's protein that's bad for people in America because we eat all this protein and they don't. It's like, no, again, that's what they do. It's not what they mm-hmm. eat, you know? It's everything leading up to that moment. And I think that is so true about most things we do in life and definitely in the gym, you know, in, in health and wellness, it has, it has less to do with what you are actually doing than it does with everything leading up to that moment, the environment, what's going on during that moment and what you do after. What's the phrase, um, uh, the, like, what are you doing the other 23 hours of the day? Yeah, that one hour in the gym, that one hour of your workout, whatever you're doing is very important. But I would dare even make the argument that the other 23 hours are more important, damn sure at least as equally important. Mm-hmm. Because all those people, you know, yeah, it's not so much about what they're eating, but like I said, they're walking to get there. They're walking, you know, outside. They are getting together with people. It has less to do about the actual thing, but what is going up, the buildup, the during, because all that leaves imprints on us. It leaves imprints on our psyche, uh, conscious, subconscious imprints. It it can either be a traumatic experience or it can be a very, very peaceful experience. It can cause fight or flight or it can cause homeostasis. And these are things that to most people, you don't really realize what's going on in every experience. Look, when you go to the gym, it is hands down one of the most stressful things you can consciously choose to do. It is a, a high, high load of stress. You stress, you know, we know it's called positive stress because it yields a good thing, but it is still a very, very high acute load of stress on the body. We are taxing every system of the body. We are tearing down our muscle fibers. We are causing our body to do more work and to burn more calories and to do more processes afterwards to make up for all the wreck and the damage that we just did to it. But imagine, you know, doing that. So coupling that, and especially if you don't want to, if you're like begrudgingly and like, oh, I hate this or my, you know, my coach is making me do this or my whoever is telling me that I'm overweight or underweight. If you don't know why you're there or you have a positive association to what you are doing, then that is going to leave a traumatic imprint. And whether you remember that and you consciously act on that or years later, months later, the body remembers, the psyche remembers, it's going to be, it's going to be the undoing of you. Uh, So that's just the power of, again, why the power of qualitative of that sense of knowing of what you're doing and and why you're doing it, when you're doing it, how you're doing it. But man, if you can tie in community along the way, just, you know, a positive association that I experience, and then, you know, have your support system afterwards. um, It's, it it takes all of those things to really be successful. And like, to your point of, of longevity, of health, quality of life, wellness. Yeah. One of the, one of my pet peeves is when people go, you know, like, oh, you know, my trainer really kicks my ass and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's not really a positive thing long term. Like, sure, every once in a while, it's it's honestly is fun to me and a lot of people to have like a really hard, intense workout that's like grueling because it sure. feels better afterwards. But overall, most of your training should be enjoyable and something that you like because it makes you feel better. And again, like that you stress is a, is a really cool word. I again, talking about the four hour work week, it's a word that Tim Ferriss uses a lot. And I, yeah. I probably heard it somewhere else before, but this is the first time I've really kind of ex- heard it expanded upon. 
So what, what, um, I guess, oh, and another thing that I wrote down here was that like, again, that mindset piece, you know, mm -hmm. saying that I get to go to the gym or I get mm -hmm. to work out versus I have to. And so I guess my, my question was what other areas of your life do you try to introduce you stress where you have this so, so that you don't have to, um, kind of subconsciously create stress in other areas, because I think we need some sort of a homeostasis, right? You don't want to just be completely bored and not have any, any stress whatsoever. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, to me, it comes down to, I'll blanket statement and say, I try in ideal world, I would love to have that kind of really in every area of my life. I would love to have that kind of practice to build this sense of awareness of, of needing to introduce more stress um, by choice. Because if it's by choice, then I'm going to have awareness going into the situation, right? I'm going to be more aware and understanding of what's going on, you know, was this self-inflicted or, or just, you know, understanding the process as it's going on. Um, because I think that really does build resiliency. Uh, it is a conscious way to add resiliency, to build resiliency in your life uh, is to knowingly step into a situation that is like, Hey, this is gonna be very uncomfortable. I don't want to do this, but I can at least appreciate or understand or fathom a positive ROI on the other side. Um, you know, I may not want to run into this burning building, but I know that if I don't, um, I'm going to suffer. Someone that I care about is going to suffer. Um, and it can be very, very finite. And honestly, like very honestly for me, it's going back to, you know, a lot of the smaller things in my day that uh, I put off uh, like little, just little things of putting my laundry away, opening my mail, um, like organizing, um, because everything outside of my immediate work environment, my workspace, I now at this point deem kind of not as important mm -hmm. because that ROI, it doesn't, it doesn't turn the wheel. It doesn't make me money. It doesn't give me joy. It doesn't, you know, fill a necessary, um, work slot or workflow to me or my team. And, and it doesn't produce an ROI for that, but I need to get better at recognizing, like I need to go back to being uncomfortable a little bit there. I need to recognize that, I don't want to do it, but I need to do it. It is not fair for me to be passing these things off all the time, you know, to, you know, to my wife or to just then, because really the biggest thing here is that I will build it up mm -hmm. and then it's just, and then I got a stack of stuff that I got to do. I've got boxes. I, I'm staring at a few boxes right now mm -hmm. that like, Oh, I need to put this stuff away or oh, I was supposed to do a giveaway. And, and then it just, it compounds. And so, you know, me choosing, choosing to not deal with things as they come along, even the little things, because at that moment, I don't think it has the ROI that I'm after is actually in the long run hurting me. And I joke about it all the time, but it's so damn true. Uh, I will say, oh, that's a problem for future chase. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. That, right? <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, is very, very, it's a very, very easy thing to do. And sometimes we do just need to do that. Sometimes we do need to just kind of weigh truly, you know, weigh our mental health at the time. Like, what do I need to just really take care of right here, right now so that I can sometimes just get through the day. Um, you know, your priorities are going to shift and change and stuff, but it's being more aware of, of the future self uh, mm -hmm. so that, you know, Chase in a week from now doesn't really hate Chase today mm -hmm. because he has created all of these problems for himself. Yeah. And how good of an analogy is physical clutter to our emotions too? Mm -hmm. Like I can mm -hmm. say like the hardest times in my life are when like I, I know that I need to address 
you know, like my relationship with my girlfriend at the time where like, I know I need to talk to my parents about something that's bothering me. or I know I need to talk to a good friend, but you put it off and put it off. And then how much easier would the conversation have been a month ago, three months ago, a year ago versus you, you, you had it because, you know, there was a fire that had to be put out. I think that's just a crystal clear analogy. Oh yeah. It's like, you know, to make the fitness analogy, it's, uh, I would really, you know, I think I want to lose two pounds. I, I would just like to just lose two pounds. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch what I eat later. And, you know, I'll start walking later. I'll start exercising, you know, and next, you know, and then it's six months and it's like, ah, wow. Now I, I need to lose 10 pounds. You know, how much easier would it be to just implement one or two little things to change, to get you on the path to that one to two pound weight loss goal versus now you're going to have to do a lot more to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds or whatever it is, or, you know, even the same for gaining weight, um, gaining weight, especially, you know, me particularly my body type, uh, it has always been very difficult for me to gain weight. Uh, years ago on the beginning of my fitness journey, I was eating 4,000, 4,500 calories some days mm -hmm. for months, months of like six, eight months minimum, just to like jumpstart and like really reset my metabolism and to match all the training I was doing. It took me, a year just to put on, you know, like five pounds. Um, and it was just fighting against my own metabolism, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, weight gain can be even more difficult, you know, how much more difficult would it be? in you know, six months when you're like, Oh, wow, like, I got a show coming up or whatever the goal is, to really pack on and eat hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of extra calories a day, versus, hey, today, I am aware that is my goal. That's what I want. So to match my training, I'm just going to add, you know, 100 calories today, 200 calories next week, and just slowly compound. Um, it's just we we lack that kind of uh, foresight a lot of times. We we go for the easy wins. We choose the hard or we choose the easy wrong over the hard right, mm -hmm. um, and we we just don't realize truly realize how compounding success it needs to be uh, for whatever the goal is quantitative or qualitative uh, we also don't fully realize that um, we, we underestimate our own willpower a lot of times we underestimate uh, how motivated or dedicated we may be right here right now to do something and how not we might be tomorrow but if we could get if we could get ahead today tomorrow chase tomorrow self is going to be so much more appreciative mm -hmm. um, so just taking inventory of like, where are you and things? What do you want? Like, what's your, what's your capability to do that? And just do something because mm -hmm. that is going to be, it compounds. It's going to be so much mm -hmm. more, uh, you know, than looking back yesterday and like, wow, I didn't do anything, you know? Yeah. I think it's like equally, um, motivating and demotivating depending on how you look at, like you could go, Oh fuck, look how long I have to go. You know, I'm so far from my goal, whether it be weight loss or muscle gain or, you know, something in business or whatever, where you could also be like, Oh, look how easy this is. All I have to do is do yeah. a little bit today, do a little bit tomorrow, do a little bit, you know, every single day. And it's like, Oh, that's, that's pretty easy. I can, I can do this for, you know, hopefully you find something that you, that mm. you feel like you can do for a number of days and just string those days together into months and years. And there's this quote, it's funny because like, I love this quote, but I've, I've heard it both attributed to Bill Gates and Tony Robbins. They kind of said something um, along the same iteration of it, but it's that people underestimate what they can do in a year or they overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in anything that we're after in life, um, you know, your, your job, your profession, your finances, your relationship, your body composition, your numbers in the gym, um, like it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and I'm even guilty of it now. I mean, to the point of like, 
I, I just kind of assume, oh, I can just, you know, I, it's easy. My body adapts pretty easily you know, at this point because I've trained so much and I, I know what to do to kind of change certain things and manipulate my body and my diet and stuff. Um, I, you know, I can just, oh, like I'll just get back on the horse later. But the next thing you know, COVID happens. Next thing you know, lockdown happens. And, and then, you know, all those other things that you're like relying on for future self, mm-hmm. well, those get taken away. I mean, none of that stuff is promised. So what can we do right here, right now today to just get 1% better um, in, in, in any way? Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I want to talk about here related to what we've been saying is I think that another fallacy is that, and it goes in line with this long-term, short-term gratification we've kind of been discussing, but people tend to think that um, a good thing is always a good thing. And I think that what gets kind of lost is that the thing that makes good things and hard things uh, meaningful is that you have to exercise temperance. So if I was to just eat, you know, every once in a while, I like to treat myself to pizza or donuts or whatever, but I'd feel terrible if I ate that stuff nonstop every day. And same Mm -hmm. thing with watching Netflix, watching um, TV, you know, playing video games, all that stuff is fun. But if you don't temper it, it starts to become like the opposite of fun. It starts to kind of tear you down. So where do you think that people should... I guess, kind of focus their attention in order to, you know, like a lot of us are still in, you know, we're all in lockdown to some extent, but some people that, you know, really can't go out and do any of the things that they enjoy. um, How do they find that fulfilling, sorry, that fulfillment and that meaning uh, in their lives? Yeah, good question, man. Um, And actually, first thing that comes to mind was a a recent interview that I did. Um, uh, Shout out Jill DeJong. Uh, She is this, this badass supermodel fitness model like endurance athlete um and her and i were really talking about this what i think your question is and especially this year we have to look at life differently now we we have we we no longer if we're if we're wanting the same outcome we we are not being dealt the same hand of cards if we want just like that daily fulfillment if we want happiness um we are playing a different game now so it is absolutely asinine to think that we can get the same outcome by having completely different income or input, you know, same output from different input now. And it all starts with your mindset. And what we were really talking about was now in order to have some semblance of quote norm of, of what we were achieving, what we were working on before, um, we have to really choose to look at things differently. We, we are, it's going to take more work. You have to put on the lens of adventure. You have to look through the lens of adventure and creativity, which I really do welcome, excuse me, you know, being kind of a creative myself, like I'm, I'm always thinking differently and trying to look at things differently. But I think for every person out there, you have to look at life differently. Now you have to choose to look at life differently. You have to choose to look at it through the lens of adventure Um, because even just like the day-to-day norms of going grocery shopping, running errands, talking to people, like all of that for most of us has drastically changed. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say like, what's a concrete example that might come to mind from your life if you have one? Um, like, uh, you know, for me, for a big thing uh, for me is, you know, I love to go out to eat. Uh, my wife and I, we love, you know, we're, we're foodies. We love exploring the city. We love you know, any, whether, you know, it's here in LA or wherever we are, we like to go, go and experience food. Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, um, it's because it's, it's 
it's yeah, good food, but also the people at, you know, at that experience as well, that solidifies that. So we don't have that anymore here. Uh, we don't have, we can't go out to eat. We can't dine in. We can't really, you know, unfortunately a lot of restaurants are completely shut down or temporarily, temporarily closed. Um, and so what we've been doing is to, instead of being like, one of the things we love to do the most is now gone. Um, we are now getting way more creative and, you know, we just got on one of those home cooking deliveries. I've heard good things. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, getting more creative in the kitchen, which then yields to, you know, together time. Like my, my wife, she actually cooked it last night, but, um, me, instead of just staying down in my office and working like, you know, usual up until that time we would leave to go work. I went up and was finishing up some projects on my laptop right next to her in the, in the kitchen. Uh, and so it added together time. It added, you know, we were still able to kind of get that end result. Like I said, going out to eat good food is good food, but it's really that bond, that time together that is so cementing of that. And so in a way now we're beginning to learn a new way to do that. Um, and, and also, you know, the gym, um, for me, like that has been one thing that has always been one of my staples. And now I'm having to get very, very creative in how I maintain my physical fitness. Um, so instead of me being all pissed off that like, you know, I can't go to the gym, I can't rip a, a barbell off the ground as often as I would like. Um, it has been a, a great time for me to add a lot more walks to my life, which mm -hmm. honestly has also a byproduct been adding a lot of de-stressing because I'm, I'm longer term walking, I am clearing my head, I am calm, I am not getting hopped up on pre workouts, you know, I'm not adding all of this go, go, go stress, stress, stress to my life. Again, even though a lot of it is a use stress, it has introduced a, a lot of parasympathetic, it has introduced a lot of the calm down and calm. Um, and really, therapy that, you know, has been so beneficial now, mm -hmm. um, instead of just sitting at home and focusing on what can't I do? What don't I have is choosing to find a new way to go about something that is going to get me very, very close to that original goal. But look, that's also an opportunity to learn to reevaluate your goals. Um, because you just don't have the same opportunities now. So you're going to be banging your head against the wall, trying to get the same result with very, very different tools and resources. And, you know, again, think of you, think of future self here. Uh, why not now just reevaluate your goals and what you want and how you can go about it to just not make life miserable every day and reduce stress as much as possible because, you know, literally who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And the more we can kind of create a situation and stack the conditions in our favor to maintain dominion over our lives and damn sure our health and our wellness, like that is always going to be, that's always going to be fulfilling no matter what you do or how you go about it. If you can kind of maintain the home front, then you're good. Yeah. So one other thing that that brings up, uh, something that I, I, I jotted down to possibly come back to is, and this probably, you know, a year ago would have been a pretty entrepreneur specific sort of question. But now with everybody being at home, I think it more so applies to anyone listening, uh, at least that, you know, works from home that previously worked from an office or whatever. And that is how do you balance, you know, a place that your home being where you get work done and are productive, but also the place where you intend to have, you know, downtime and relax and be close with your family. Because and then the other kind of very similar question is like the hardest thing I've found about entrepreneurship so far in my own journey is like, 
balancing, well, is this productive or is it just wasting time? Because mm -hmm. for example, I enjoy posting on Instagram and I literally have met almost all my clients through that. But at what point am I just screwing around on Instagram versus prospecting for clients? You know, it's hard to say it's so gray. Yeah. Uh, you got to have an intention going in. You, you got to, uh, like to actually your point of, you know, scrolling on Instagram, I will like schedule stuff like that. I, I have a time to do everything, most everything. Um, and I know what I'm doing, where and when. And so if you can add an intention going into any action, you're going to have a much higher sense of awareness about what you're doing and why. So it's very easy for us to just sit, scroll on our phone, look and think, oh, yeah, I'm marketing. Oh, I'm lead generating. Oh, I'm connecting. Mm -hmm. I'm networking. Um, but usually that's just a lie. You know, some of that may be true haphazardly it may happen but it's not your intention and think about anything you do in life think about things that just oh well that's, that's a cool thing that happened or oh i just so happened to link up with this person or this opportunity landed at my feet well no you know it took all those things leading up to it you know for the right timing for the opportunity you know luck is what do they say luck is what happens when hard work meets, meets opportunity mm -hmm. um so imagine just getting a sense of that when it is just so oh you know, luck of the draw versus I intentionally went in to talk about this. I intentionally picked up my phone and for the next 10 minutes, I am only engaging with my audience. I'm only asking questions, answering questions. I'm only, I'm choosing to connect. It's all about intention and what we do with everything. Because if you know why you're going into a room, why you're picking up your phone, why you're going on a walk, why, 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 then everything you do about that practice matters because you will have a, a marker for success you're after, that, which kind of just happens naturally. If you know why you're going into something, why you're doing something, then you probably understand what a success look like, or it's going to get you at least thinking about it, which is going to make your works more meaningful. If you can understand why you're doing something and have a way to, to measure it at the end of how you quantify success, how you define success, then you're going to much more clearly understand I was just spinning my wheels. I was bullshitting. I was wasting time or I went in to do something intentionally. And then that is, and if you didn't achieve your success, then you're going to know how to change things next time. Yeah. Um, intention drives awareness, drives success. 100%. I love that word. I love that word intention. And something that I try to preach to people whenever I can is that I think, and I'm sure that you would agree, I think you should be intentional about all your time. A lot of times people just think about intention in the sense of work and productivity. But one of the comparisons I like to make is like, be intentional about your your relaxation time. Be intentional about your leisure activities. You know, I think Absolutely. a good example is like, how much more fulfilling is it to get up early and go for a hike on a Saturday morning that you have off versus just sleeping in? Or how much more fulfilling is it to think about a movie that you've really wanted to see for a long time and getting that movie and watching it versus just, oh, let's see what's on Netflix and find something, you know, yeah. being intentional is so powerful in, in all areas, not just productivity. When, yeah. When you have intention and meaning, things are so much more meaningful. Life I think is, is more meaningful. Um, I love your point. Yeah. I, I even do that of scheduling fun. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it sounds, it, to some people it can kind of sound, oh, oh well, wow, you, you should never get to a point to where you have to schedule in, you know, a fun time or hangouts or whatever. But no, like in a way, once you get to a certain level uh, of especially being completely self-employed and, you know, all your time and all your works are reliant, your, your livelihood is reliant on those things. Um, it, it makes them more meaningful. Like when I schedule an interview, like it makes it more meaningful. When I time block 
work. Uh, I'm going in and I'm knocking that thing out. But when then I also block off, you know, two hours to go get lunch with somebody or a breakfast date with my wife or whatever, it is like I have allocated time for that. That way it adds a much higher level of presence when I'm doing it. Because when I schedule a podcast, when I schedule an email campaign, whatever it is for work, I'm going in, I'm doing that thing, I'm devoted to that task. The same thing, to a certain degree, I'm still working on this total honesty of like fun time, of a movie night, of date night, of dinner, of going on a walk, or you know, meeting up with a friend. Um, yeah, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm going to be probably you know checking my phone every once in a while, or, or you know checking an email, or being much much better at it. And it's because if I know I have this thing coming. And it's not just, oh, let me see what's on Netflix or let me just see what my friends are doing or my mm -hmm. wife's doing. Um, no, that means I'm going to do everything that I can to get to that point to be able to fully commit to it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to honor my work, honor my play, honor myself, honor the go, honor the downtime. And it just adds intention and presence truly so that you can appreciate it more. And that is always appreciated more, especially if you know that is time with your significant other, time with your family, time with whoever they're going to pick up on that. They're going to be like, well, when, whenever you're here, you're really not even here. You're always on your phone or on, you know, checking email or working or whatever. So we, I'd rather just not do it. Um, we don't want that in our lives. That's how you drive wedges in relationships. And uh, we were talking about it earlier, especially in, you know, blue zones, relationships are so important. So, so, so important. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at just like being intentional about your breaks too, like something I remember in college is like how, much less fulfilling it would feel when I would take a break from studying and just get on social media for 10 minutes versus if I just took a 10 minute break and, you know, had a snack or took a walk or whatever, something to yeah. just let my mind wander. You have to yeah. be, again, just, just a reason to be intentional in, in all areas and not just while you're getting work done. Absolutely, man. Well said. Yeah. Um, so winding down here, the one other thing I wanted to talk about was I see that you're, you're one of the people who I know, uh, is very familiar with Ryan Holiday's work and you are oh, yeah. of the daily stoic. So how has the whole stoic mentality shaped your mindset and what do you say? Cause I know that this is like one of the, um, things I hear sometimes about stoicism is people, people just kind of hear it as, Oh, you just don't care about anything. You know, you're just, you're just guarded <laughs> and emotions. Like yeah, how does that yeah. play into your life? Cause you're obviously uh, anyone could be able to tell from this conversation, you're an emotionally intelligent guy. And so how does that work into your life? Um, a couple of things. It has helped me realize, first and foremost, it has um, helped me realize that most of my problems are really insignificant. Mm -hmm. Because when I read, when I listen to, when I dive into stoic quotes, readings, um, journals, whatever, I realize thousands of years ago, these human beings were having this level of awareness and questioning of themselves and their works and life. Um, when literally the, all they had to worry about was how do I survive? Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't have anywhere near as close to we do today of the luxuries of first world problems, you know, of the internet of communication of healthcare of, of all of these things. We have so much privilege and luxury in our life this day and age. Um, these guys, thousands of years ago, were still reaching that point in, in life in awareness of, hmm, I'm feeling some kind of way. What's the point? How do I, you know, how do I grow as a human being? How do we surpass problems? How do we, you know, get past the mind when, when all, all day they're just trying to survive? So in a way for me, it's very comforting to know that um, 
hey, we're all humans. And no matter where we are in the timeline of civilization, you know, we all go through the same shit. We are all going to reach a point in our life where good things happen, bad things happen. Um, and it really just kind of helps me realize I'm not in this alone, uh, that, you know, no matter what human nature is always going to kind of take over, we're always going to have these human nature type problems. So it helped me kind of feel comforting in that level, but also, um, it added a very, very necessary component to, you know, just my kind of outlook on life of helping things not to, like you're saying, not like, Oh, uh, the stoic, right? You're so stoic, you know, yeah. nothing, never, nothing ever matters or there's, you know, it's not that it's just that everything is, and then how much it matters is up to us. Mm -hmm. It is just helping me realize that everything is, everything just happens and it is up to us to add, you know, meaning to it. Are we going to react and freak out and, and become scared and, you know, give in to the human nature component that I'm talking about? Or are we going to learn how to choose to respond mm -hmm. so that we can just understand this is a thing that happened? Why? What contributed to it? Do I like what is going on about it? Do I like the outcome? Do I like the output, the input? What can I change? It just adds it, it like almost like the lens of the matrix, you know, instead of just seeing things as, you know, blowing up in life or, you know, even good things, you understand like, they're all just things happening and I can have a, a very high level of influence over them over more, more so predominantly over, you know, myself, I can have the influence over myself of how I'm going to let this thing, you know, affect me, um, which has been crucial, especially, you know, once you step into the entrepreneur space, like you can freak out very, very easily, or you can kind of choose to look at, you know, like, all right, this program bombed, I'm, I'm ruined, I'm a failure, might as well go back to my job or, what actually happened here? What can I do differently next time? There is no failure, really. Um, and thirdly, it really added a great, great anchor point to my day because it has become my morning routine. Um, and it's the very first thing that I go to after, you know, I wake up, chug some water, kind of just get moving a little bit. Uh, that is the very first thing that I go to. My phone is still off. Uh, I go to the quote for the day, the Daily Stoic quote, and I use that to set the intention and mood for the day. Um, and I just think it's a positive thing instead mm -hmm. of opening up my phone to email or social media and just immediately starting to put out fires, look at everything else everybody else is doing. I'm consciously choosing to start my day off in a mindset, um, that I like, and I can then be more empowered to, to turn on my phone and to turn on the world. And, um, then it's, you know, game on. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which stoic said it, but one of my favorite quotes of all time is, um, and I'm sure you're familiar is uh, we we're more often frightened than hurt and we suffer more in imagination than in reality. You know, that yeah, quote? yeah, yeah. I always try to think of that because it's so easy to blow things up in our head. But I think that probably this ties back into that honesty component for you. What's really going on? What do I really feel? What's really going on in the world? What is instead of just feeling like everything is subjectively, you know, negative, harmful stuff coming at you? Absolutely. Yeah. Very true, man. All right. Well, thanks, Chase. I'll let you give any last parting words as we wrap up here, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a lot of fun to chat. Flew by. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, likewise, man. Thank you so much. Great questions. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been fun. I, I love these types of conversations and, you know, hopefully this helps somebody kind of think differently about um, stress, you stress, the, the importance of community and just um, thinking about things differently. It's, it's not always just that external self, you know, we, we need to kind of have that good balance of what's going on in our heads and in our hearts. 
Excellent. Well, thanks, Chase. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, likewise, man. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.